Well, good morning, everyone. Good to be back with uh, my Florida family and the um, I've been given the privilege uh, to start a series that I think uh, you will enjoy. Um, I wish I could be here for all of it, but uh, we're going to talk about uh, future events, uh, prophecy. As one of our brothers said this morning, it's a wonderful thing to know the future, isn't it? Um, the trouble in the world today is um, threefold. Uh, people don't know where they came from, and people don't know why they're here, and people don't know where they're going. And I tell you, I'm in the medical field, and I can tell you there's a lot of people that have major issues in their life, and a lot of it comes from not having the answers to those three questions in their lives. It not only affects them emotionally, but it affects them physically. So isn't that nice? That uh, this morning we can know with all certainty uh, exactly what is going to happen. So let's uh, open up the Word of God and look at uh, some uh, scripture this morning. And uh, I want to get you to turn. I've sort of, um, in this overview, I want to uh, talk about deception in the last days. Deception. And you'll see the word here a couple of times as we read this passage. So if you have your Bibles, look at Second uh, Thessalonians and chapter 2. Second Thessalonians and chapter 2. I'm reading from the NIV this morning. This is the Bible I have in Florida. (laughs) Um, Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things. And now you know what is holding him back, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. I think we saw that this week. But the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in all accordance with the work of Satan, displaying in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs and wonders, 
and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. And so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. Let us pray. Father, we come before you, O God, this morning. Thank you, Father, for the word. I thank you, Father, for every person that's here this morning. Father, I don't take it for granted that everybody here this morning is, is saved. So, Father, we pray, O oh God, that the Holy Spirit of God might come over this place. Lord, that we might, uh, Father, not only look into your word and understand it. We thank you for the ability to be able to read it freely in this country. And, Father, this morning we just pray, O oh God, that as we look into things that are uh, seem so bleak, that, Father, as we've been reminded, that God is in control. And, Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let no one deceive you. Deception in the last days. We read about it here as Paul writes a letter stating that... Uh, Perhaps it was in the form of preaching. Perhaps it was even in the form of a letter that seemed to be forged with his own signature. That Paul reminds the Thessalonians that he had taught them all these things. That they should not be deceived. He said, when I was with you, I told you these things. And I want to go over that this morning, what Paul had told them. And I think it will become crystal clear as to the events and the way they will line up in the future. The first thing that needs to take place, we find in verse 1 of what we read. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to Him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed uh, by some prophecy or letter. Christian, listen. We're not going to be here. The hope of the church is the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ in the air. Not coming back to the earth. Coming to the air. We can defend this position because there are a lot of people that teach otherwise. And that doesn't mean we can't have fellowship with them or whatever. But what it does mean is that we're to rightly divide the word of God. God gave it to us to study, to see ourselves approved unto God, that workman that needeth not be, uh, be ashamed. Paul is saying here, listen. I told you, I told you these things, that we ought to encourage one another, even more so as we see the day approaching. But there's a coming for the church. None of these things can happen that we read about here in Second Thessalonians can happen until we're gone. 
We're not here. The rapture is uh, without signs. When we read signs, and we should read them, by the way, because some people think, well, if we're not going to be here, why is it important? It's very important because for Christians, we're not, we don't, Paul said it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we don't live in darkness. We are children of the light. There, we look at the world and we see it coming apart uh, at the seams, and it ought not to surprise us as Christians. Because um, we, we see these things in the Word of God. That uh, the, we're living in perilous times. And as we see these things happen, even more so should we look forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in the air to take us out of here. It's very important you understand that. If you, uh, let me show you two verses. First Thessalonians uh, chapter 1. First Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10. It says this. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. There's something coming to this world. We will not be here. Look at uh, 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5. There is an appointment, by the way, for people. Hebrews 9 and 27. It is appointed for man once to die, then judgment. That's an appointment that every person who has ever been born on this planet uh, will not miss. It's judgment day. It will come. But look what Paul says for us. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, you need to understand something. That the church was not appointed, neither are you if you belong to the church, not in membership here, by the way. Being a member of the church is you're saved by the grace of God. And you're added uh, to the church, the universal church. But the church is not exempt from suffering. I want to look at that tonight. We're not exempt from suffering. The Lord Jesus, when he was here, said, uh, In this world, you will have tribulation." That's a guarantee. You're not guaranteed to be healthy. You're not guaranteed to be wealthy. Uh, th those things are not guaranteed. Now, you can talk yourself into a lot of things, you know. There's a lot of teaching out there that just says, you, don't, you know why you're not healthy and you're not wealthy? Because you don't believe enough. Just believe. Just say it. Positive confession. And they'll take verses 
uh, out of Scripture. And I'm always reminded of this. Oh, yeah? Was there anybody more positive than the Apostle Paul? And I can't think of anybody uh, that suffered more other than our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we're, we're, but we have an appointment not with God's wrath. We have an appointment uh, to get out of here. God's going to turn off gravity one day for only us. Isn't that a privilege, Christian? Think of that for a minute. The rapture is a clear teaching in the New Testament. It's the hope of the church. It's our blessed hope. The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who redeemed us from all iniquity and purchased for himself a peculiar people zealous for good works. That's our hope. He who has this hope in himself, 1 John 3 and 3. He who has this hope in himself purifies himself even as he is pure. The hope of the church is that we're going to be raptured and to be out of here. You see, the Apostle Paul and others weren't looking for the Antichrist. They were looking for Jesus Christ to come. And it's interesting if you just, and this will be, I'm sure, touched on. When you get to Revelation chapter 6, at the start, in chronological order, when you read Revelation chapter 6, isn't it funny, through the New Testament, that the church is mentioned 100 times or more. You go all the way through the New Testament. The church, the church, the church, the church, the church. You get to Revelation, the church. Then you get to Revelation chapter 6 with the introduction of the Antichrist. Chapter 6 verse 1. The man of peace. There's peace coming to this world. There is. Temporary. It's coming. Do you think people are not going to be longing for peace? Do you think that... If someone was to come up and guarantee peace and no more ISIS and all this kind of things that's happening in this world today wouldn't have a following today. But isn't it interesting when you get to Revelation chapter 6 and then you read the whole tribulation period, all of it, from Revelation chapter 6 verse 1 to chapter 19 in Revelation, not one mention of the church. You know why? Because we're not here. That's why. You think it'd be mentioned somewhere, but it's not. And so people say, well, you know, maybe it's mid trib. Maybe it's at the end of the tribulation. No. Because, folks, we sang about the cross this morning. I tell you, folks, when you understand the cross of Calvary, you understand this that the wrath of God. That was meant for you. And that was meant for me. Was taken by his son. At that cross of Calvary. We'll never under, fully understand the cross. Until we get to heaven. But I tell you the wrath of God came down upon that lamb that day. And the wrath of God is not abides on us anymore. It's important you understand that. The church is not exempt from suffering. But folks, let me tell you something. When the church is gone, what you see today will be like a Sunday school picnic 
compared to what's going to happen in this world. We, we ain't seen nothing yet. It's only just begun. But we're not looking for the Antichrist. Um, uh, the, the rapture is secret. It's without warning. There's no signs for it. It's the gathering of the church into the air. But not so the day of the Lord. That's a different thing altogether. A different thing altogether. What's restraining? Because we, we read this this morning. What is restraining the Antichrist? You see, God, well, there's God's purposes. God will never go against His word. The Antichrist cannot come because of God's purposes. God has a plan. God has a timetable. And the timetable is first, we're out of here. You know, um, never underestimate the power of the church and the presence of the church in this world. You know, the church is far from perfect. We know that because we belong to it. Right? And uh, our brother Peter said, the church, and I would agree, is probably prayerless as compared to what it should be. And the church has got a lot of warts and wrinkles on it. Uh, but do not underestimate the power of the church. Because, because of the presence of the church in this world, folks, we're the restraining power that's holding the purposes of Satan back. Now, you might look at the world and go, Satan is winning. Satan is winning. But folks, let me assure you that this is all part of God's plan. And uh, the example, and one of our brothers said it this morning in the first meeting, uh, is the example of Lot. Was Lot perfect? He lived in a place, Sodom and Gomorrah. It's almost, when you read about it, uh, you, can, you can hardly believe unless you lived in this day and age, what was happening there. The world is crazy, isn't it? It really is. Uh, but Lot lived in a place, he could have been in, in uh, Pembroke Pines, Florida, or Hollywood, Florida, just like that. But nothing... Listen, nothing happened to Sodom and Gomorrah until God took Lot out. That is so important. It's a picture that, you know, Abraham was pleading with God. If there'd only be, you know, he started with, with 50 and 45 and, you know, what if they're just, and then he stopped at 10, he should have kept going. <laughs> but God never had in mind to go and to and to destroy Lot. Because we read in the New Testament in 2 Peter that Lot was saved. And Lot was taken out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's what's going to happen to us. So Paul says, read this chapter on your own. 
Paul says, listen, do not be deceived. There's teaching out there today that will tell you, oh, you won't be ready for God's wrath if you believe in the rapture, that it's going to happen uh, pre-tribulation. Folks, don't believe that. It's taught in Scripture, and Paul said, don't be deceived. The Antichrist can't come till we're gone. We're the restraining power, the church. And when the church is out, God's plan will take place, and the Antichrist uh, will come forth. Now, tonight, I want to deal with apostasy. So I'm not going to spend uh, time this morning teaching that. About the apostasy. It's called the apostasy. That once we're out. The apostasy will take place. And that's the apostasy. Like there's. You know. And we'll, we'll read about that tonight. That the New Testament writers were talking. Can you imagine? Here's the church. Didn't take long. False teaching came in. False teaching came in. All the way through. Uh, Paul talked about it. Uh, John talked about it. Uh, uh, Jude talked about it. Uh, they, they, uh, Peter talked about it. All the New Testament writers were writing and writing apostasy. Apostasy was coming into the early church. But what we're read here in Second Thessalonians is the apostasy. And that is the abomination of desolation. You will hear about this. Where the Antichrist will set up Worship of himself in a rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. Claiming that he is God himself. It's called the apostasy. And uh, the uh, nothing is going to happen in this world again of any major significance in the terms of what we've been talking about until we're gone out of here. And then the apostasy will take place. And then I want to talk about the lie. Because of deception, you see. Now, of course, we're gone. People will get saved. We'll read about it in Revelation chapter uh, 7, there, uh, where God will start dealing with the nation of Israel again. And there will be 144,000 uh, 44, Jewish evangelists. Imagine that. And they will go throughout the world. And the numbers being saved are so many that they will not be able to be counted with the work of God. Isn't God a merciful God? He is. But that's for the future uh, teaching. Let me just read uh, here again. Uh, what happens to people? The Antichrist is here. The uh, apostasy is taking place. And every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. There's so much deception. Because you see, Antichrist is two things. Anti meaning instead of. You see, Satan always wanted to be worshipped. He masquerades as what? An angel of light. So the Antichrist will come empowered by Satan himself and will deceive the masses. 
But there's a reason for it. And, and, and it's, it's explained here by the Apostle Paul. Every uh, sort of evil thing that uh, deceives those who are perishing. Look at, uh, uh, again, uh, the uh, verse 10. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. That's what's going to be happening. People will believe the lie. Now, there's a lot of lies out there. But there's a time coming that they will believe the lie. What's the lie? Right? The apostasy. The lie. You know what it is? That the Antichrist is God. They'll believe it. You won't be able to eat unless you believe it. And you receive it. You receive the mark. You won't be able to trade. You won't be able to buy and sell. Now, folks, I'm telling you, look, think about this for a minute. Think about how we operate. And you know what? I, I've had very few coming here, American dollars. I'd like to have more of them. Canadian dollars sink like the Titanic recently. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, you don't, you, don't need, you, you, you don't need cash anymore. I mean it. I, I, you know, other than wanting to use some coins to wash our clothes, uh, I got American cards here. This is, folks, think about this. Think of the time that we live in. That people will have to take a mark and they won't be able to buy and sell without it. Do you think that that technology is not available even today? I know people that have had chips implanted into their animals so that they won't lose their dog or their cat. True or false? It's true. It's exciting, isn't it? Think of the time that we live in, but there's a time coming that they will believe the lie, but the Bible tells us why they will believe it. They will believe the lie because they refuse to believe the truth. And the Bible says that man is without excuse. And they will be without excuse in that day. Where they refuse to believe the truth. You know what folks? There's truth, isn't it? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one cometh to the Father except by me. That's a spiritual truth. You know, there's mathematical truth, right? Two plus two equals four. Got it? You know, you know if I, I always tell people, if I had to pass math in high school, I'd be still in high school. Okay? I wasn't any good in math. I was good in science, but not math. Okay? But I know 2 plus 2, and it equals 4. Now, you might argue with that. But that's a truth. Uh, there are physical truths, right? There's the law of gravity. Oh, I don't believe that. Oh, yeah? Well, just step off uh, a building here. Go up into the tent. You know, I don't believe it. It doesn't apply to me. Oh, yeah? Let's find out. Right? Those are just truths, folks. Because some people, ah, there's nothing really true. Well, there's some truths. Two plus two equals four. 
And there's a law of thermodynamics. Right? The second law says, in a, in a closed system, everything deteriorates. That's why evolution can't be true. It's impossible to be true. Why? Because of the law of thermodynamics, the second law. Deteriorate. Hey, you used to be good looking. And then time came. Right? Because it's, it comes back, though, the second law of thermodynamics was created after sin. Because the wages of sin is what? Death. See, because people, you ask somebody that's not saved, ask them, why, why do people die? If evolution is true, you shouldn't die. Right? You can't answer that. But you see, there's truth in the world, and the law of thermodynamics comes from a spiritual law. And that is, uh, the wages of sin is death. You see, so the people in the time of the tribulation that will perish, they're going to, uh, they're not going to believe the truth. It's like Romans chapter 1. They suppress the truth. You know what suppression is? Suppression is, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. That's who are going to perish during the tribulation. And when God turns the light off, you're in deep trouble. When God no longer gives you light, and you have said no to God long enough, God says, okay, have it your way. Now he gets involved. You see, God is a lovely God. God's a merciful God. But God, when He gives you light, right? All day long, all day long, all day long in a person's heart, whether they live in Africa or India or they're Buddhist or they're a Muslim, it don't matter because God is giving them light. Hey, look at the world. Look at creation. Look at this. Look at the sun. Look at the moon. Look at the stars. It's a gospel message 24 hours a day. Here it is. Here it is. I'm God. I'm powerful. And it ain't you. And it ain't Allah. And it ain't Buddha. And it ain't Muhammad. It's me, the God of the universe. Man is without excuse. But if you say, well, you know what? I don't know how it happened. I, I'm not sure, but I don't care. It doesn't affect me. You do it long enough and God gets now involved. You know what he says? Okay, you suppressed it. He said, now I will give you a mind that is depraved. If it came and slapped you, like Peter did the other day. You're not a sinner? If it came and slapped you in the face, it couldn't be any clearer. But you can't even see it. I'm always, always uh, shocked. See, I've been a Christian for too long. I'm shocked how blind people really are to some very fundamental basic truths. And that is, oh, you're a sinner. No, I'm not. Not, not, can I give you a French word? Not moi. That means me. 
It's not, not me. They don't see themselves. But you see, that's delusion, see? But folks, there's coming a straw. This is, that's just delusion. The Bible says that during the tribulation, there will be a strong delusion, a powerful delusion coming right from God. God is going to close their eyes. They won't even be able to see it. Now, that is a scary thought to me. I think of my family. I think of my siblings. I think of people that I love dearly. They can't see it. And I just never get, hope they never get to a point that God gives them over to their own ways. Folks, that's what's happening in the world today. Coming to a theater near you is craziness. It's it's unbelievable debauchery. It's coming. And do not be deceived. It's a wonderful thing to be saved. The Bible says today, harden not your hearts. If you hear the voice of God, come flee from the wrath that's coming. Folks, let's leave here today. In your own mind's eye, is it not true right now in your, eye, your mind's eye right now? Do you not see people that you love? Do you not see people that you care for? Do you not see people, your neighbors? People that you rub shoulders with at work? Perhaps in school? Do you not see them? They are on the verge of perishing. Time is short. What we see in the world today is just a little foretaste of what the tribulation will be like. And as we see these, happening, these things happening, folks, the Bible tells us as Christians what is our responsibility. We ought to watch and we ought to pray. And for us, we need to stay separated and pure. Because they, our redemption draweth nigh. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, O God. We thank you, Father, for your precious Son, the Lord Jesus. And we ask you, O Father, that uh, uh, this morning, if there's anyone here, Lord, that perhaps has never really trusted in you, Father, that they would be shaken to the core when they see the events of this world, and see what's happening already, even with the presence of the church. Can you imagine? Oh, Father, what will it be like? You have not hidden these things from us. We thank you, Father, that we have, uh, uh, we have come to our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Father, saving us from the wrath to come. Father, help us, O oh God. Let us be bold. Let us not tarry. Let us go out. Let us tell the people, warn them of what's going to happen. And Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.